Blog Talk Radio. And now you're listening to the Green Zone on Blog Talk Radio. And here's your host, Julian Carter. Here we go. Go, go, go. Welcome into the Green Zone. This is one of your hosts, Dennis Agapito, and of course the main host, Mr. Julian Carter, always out trying to promote the brand. Will not be here today. I'll be filling in for him, but of course he'll be back next week. We have a wonderful episode lined up for you as usual uh, for next week and for this week uh, right now because, hey, you know what? The Jets uh, went on their bye week. They went on their bye week winners. Uh, A great victory in London. I think everybody kind of uh, enjoyed themselves that went over there, watched the game, whether they were locals or whether they came from far away. It was great to see the green and white come away with the victory. And I know Julian had a, had a really good time meeting a lot of the players, getting to do some stuff afterwards, some interviews, and we sure hope that you enjoyed the show. Um, you know, Julian and I are looking to, to really kind of expand things and, and do some innovative stuff. And we just want to give you some contact information so that you can follow the show and keep up what's going on with it. It's the best way to really follow us is on Twitter. If you're on Twitter and it's at green zone radio, of course you could always shoot us an email. The email is the green zone radio at gmail.com. If you have any advice, you want to maybe come on the show, whatever you want to do. Like I said, Julie and I are looking to do some very innovative things and we're hoping to get some feedback from people and maybe have people on from overseas I guess we've had some guests in the past, like our friend Biff Sweeney from Ireland, and, and try to get some of the international fans on the show, talk a little bit about being a Jets fan overseas and about what's going on with our team. That would be great. So if you, if you feel up to it, please drop us a message on Twitter or on, via email. With that being said, why don't we uh, take a look at where the Jets are right now at this point in the season? Obviously, four games quarter of the season over they sit at three and one obviously we're all we're all very happy as fans as to where they are records record wise um think think most of us felt kind of like two and two was was very realistic going into the first four games so you really you take a look at these first four games for a lot of reasons one it's a quarter of the season two they had their bye week after after the first four games so it kind of makes sense to do a little bit of analysis on the team, given the fact that they had the extra week off now to prepare for the Washington Redskins. So let's take a look at some of the things the Jets have done real well, maybe some areas which might be a little bit of a concern moving forward. We'll see how it, that they may be, need to make some improvements. But I guess first and foremost, the statistic that you look at, which kind of jumps out at you and ultimately is a big part of their success is the turnover ratio. I mean, they're plus six in turnovers. So if, if you can be plus six in turnovers in four games, you're, you're going you're gonna to be in pretty good shape. So luckily for the Jets, they're, they're, they're three and one based upon a lot upon the strength of the turnovers. And another statistic just throw out there, I believe that, you know, I'm just going off the top of my head. 
But I believe that the Jets scored 42 points off of their takeaways and only given seven points up off of their giveaways. I have to kind of double-check that, but somewhere around that. So not only have they been taking the ball away, but they've been very good at converting them into points on offense. And when the offense has given the ball away, the defense has stiffened and, and held them out of the end zone or a scoring opportunity. So those, those things are terrific. Now, we all kind of knew coming into the season that the Jets' strength would be on defense. And that certainly has been the case. Um, they're the number one scoring defense in the league, a little bit under 14 points per game they're averaging second overall in yards, second overall in passing, eighth against the rush. You couldn't ask for anything more. Obviously, the scoring portion is the most important, being number one. I don't think that they're going to be able to continue under 14 points a game for the rest of the season, but you know, so far, so good. If you can, if you can hold a team, if you look at your, your statistics at the end of the year, and you could be about that 17 on defense, if you're holding a, a, an opponent to about on average, 17 points per game. Hey, that's fantastic. Any, any, any defense would take that. Any coach, any defensive minded coach in this league, which is, which all the rules so favor the offense. If your defense can hold on average uh, teams to 17 points per game right now, the jets are under that. That's fantastic. Let's take a look at the, um, couple other statistics here. You know, the Jets have, have not – I shouldn't say that. The Jets have gotten seven sacks this year, which isn't, which isn't bad. Again, you try to look at it and you say, well, if you times that by four, it would be 28. It doesn't really work that way ever. Um, it, do, it never really works out that way. But you know what? For the seven sacks they've, they've got, which is decent, um, maybe they're going to end up with like 35 by the end of the year, which is about middle of the road. I think they do a little bit better in sacks. But we've seen the pressure from this defense. I mean, let's face it, it's not necessarily the sack toll as much as it is the blitz schemes, the pressures, making the quarterbacks throw the ball a tick earlier than they wanted to. I think that has also helped in the turnover department. On, on offense, let's take a look at how many sacks the Jets have given up, only two. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line blocking. Uh, James Carpenter has been, been playing real well. With that left side of the line, DeBrickashaw, we knew Mangold and DeBrickashaw were, the, were you know, rock solid. They were the steady eddies in there. Carpenter's come in and done a nice job. Even Brano Giacomini on the right side. The combination of Willie Colon and Brian Winters has done a nice job there. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, you got to give him some credit for doing the right things as a line of scrimmage, calling out the protections. Uh, he did Houdini his way out of a couple of sacks here or there, especially in that Dolphin game. Looked like he was going to get taken down and, and was able to turn it into a positive gain. So you got to give him some credit there for the low sack total. Certainly, if the Jets could, again, if they only gave up eight sacks for the year, their offensive line, that, that would be incredible. Obviously, probably that's not going to happen at some point in time. Some of these defenses will get to the quarterback a little bit more against us. But so far, so good. Looks like the line is giving the proper pass protection. I think, in general, from what you've seen for the most part, is you've seen a lot a very clean pocket for Ryan Fitzpatrick to step up and throw the ball in. And he's been able to have time to survey the field when he's thrown the ball. You've seen a clean pocket. You've seen him be able to step up and throw. Not that often do you see him getting whacked after plays. I mean, once in a while, obviously, perfection is, is never – if you're looking for perfection, you're, you're looking at the wrong sport. But – on a whole, got to give the offensive line a, a, a good grade there. 
And also, I mean, let's let's just face it. Here's here's the thing with the Jets. I've I've actually you know, I had opportunity to interview a lot of the, the Jets players, and I've said to a lot of them, you know, your recipe for success is to kind of run the ball, win the turnover battle, and not people have said back to me. Some of the players said, well, you know, that's a recipe for a, any team, and that's very true. I mean, look, I don't think any team goes into a game and says. Well, we don't want to run the ball this game, and we want to lose a turnover battle. But here's the difference with the Jets, and even they're, they're very similar to what the the team they're going to face this week, the Washington Redskins, are. On offense, we all know that it's the defense is the strength of this team. Their offense just needs to be serviceable. You know, move the ball, move the chains, run the ball, be balanced. I'm going to ask Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw the ball 50 times and win. I mean, we I don't think that anybody wants to see that. You'd like to see Chris Ivory out there, which, is, which he has been doing. I mean, let's, let's face it. He, he's, he has a five average. I mean, he's 63 attempts, 314 yards, a five average, three touchdowns. I mean, that last game against the Dolphins, he just went off. When the Jets can be balanced on offense, everything works a lot better. If they're one-dimensional, they're in trouble. Now, there are teams in this league that are on, uh, maybe on both sides of the ball, but on offense especially, that could – be minus two in turnovers and win the game. That could throw the ball 50 times and win the game. That could run for 50 yards and win the game. This is not the New York Jets, folks. The New York Jets are not that type of team on offense where they can, they can, they can basically beat you in uh, many different ways on the offense side of the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick, his numbers are, I mean, his numbers are what his numbers are. He's managed the game well, and that's what he's been asked to do. 60% completion percentage, 924 yards, a 6.4 average, a little hair on the low side, um, uh, seven touchdowns, six interceptions. He's got a quarterback rating of 78. So, again, take nothing away from Ryan Fitzpatrick, the three and one, and you are what your record says you are. And Ryan, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, we talked about the sack total. He's done a lot of things right. And, you know, he's, he hasn't been asked to do a lot, except for in that Philadelphia game when he had to throw the ball 58 times. Don't think we want to see him throwing the ball 50-plus times in a game. So the bottom line is here, again, like I said about the Washington Redskins, is that you have to, to – to this offense, they, they need things to go a certain way to be successful. They need to be running the ball. They need to limit their turnovers. I, I understand you always want to win a turnover battle. That – that is probably the biggest determining factor in almost any game. But I watched at that point in time, the Dallas Cowboys, which I think is, is an elite team when they were healthy in the beginning of the year, when they were healthy and they were minus three in turnovers that they somehow or another managed to pull out the game. That's not the jets. The jets are minus three in turnovers. They're going to have a really, really difficult time. I, I don't even think it would realistically be possible for them to win a game being minus three in turnovers. That's not that. So we, we need certain things from this team to be successful on offense. They have to be balanced. They have to be balanced. They can't become one dimensional and pull out the game. They have to be balanced so that everything kind of flows and works and you can keep the defense on his heels guessing. They want to control the clock, control the game, keep their defense off the field, give them a little bit of a break, and then put long drives together, cap it off with a score. Hey, that's the way this offense is built. And they're on defense, they got to create turnovers. Now, this, 
is are they necessarily going to be plus 24 at the end of the year in turnovers? Well, I hope so. I mean, I do. Because they're plus 24 at the end of the year in turnovers. Guess what? The Jets are going to the playoffs. I mean, I can't imagine a team that's plus 24 in turnovers. Again, you can't just simply times this by four and say that that's what's going to happen. So far, so good. But the defense doesn't necessarily have to create three or four turnovers a game like they've been able to do in these kind of first four games. There are plus four, maybe five turnovers in some of these games, which is great. I mean, look, we want to create as many turnovers that they, as they can. They've gotten a couple fumble recoveries. And Marshall ripped that ball out in the Cleveland game. That's a fumble recovery there. Um, that was a great play by him. And in a crucial portion of the game, you kind of had this Frank Gore. He bobbles the ball on the goal line there. Hey, you, look, it is what it is. A lot of times, like I mentioned in the past, the other shoe will drop, which means that the Jets will knock the ball out with a great play, and they'll just the ball will score it out, and the other team will recover it. So they've been opportunistic. They've had six six interceptions this year, seven fumble recoveries thus far, only in in four games. But if if the ball doesn't bounce right, or the defense just can't seem to create turnovers. It's very important for the offense not to turn the ball over. Now, this is very reflective in the Jets as far as their statistics. And they're, they're 12th in the league in scoring right now. And, again, they're first in, in points allowed. Now, the defense is real stout, second in yards allowed. First in point, And that has a lot to do with the turnovers. And, and again, the giveaway, takeaway kind of margin of how they're scoring on these turnovers and how they're not giving up points when the ball is turned over by their offense. So um, moving forward, we can look at these things and say, yeah, this is, this is what the, it's not only a recipe for success, because like I said, it's a recipe for success for every team in this league, but the jets on offense on the offensive side of the ball need to have certain things go their way to be successful. And we don't. We know they're not a juggernaut offense. We know they're. It's going to be hard for them to put. I know they put 30 up against the, the Browns, but they were turning the ball over left and right, and the Jets were capitalizing on it. But you know what? They're averaging about 24 points per game, and realistically, if they can continue to do that on offense, hey, that would be great. I think we take that at the end of the year. 24 points by our offense. Offense on average, you're going to be in very good shape. We're going to see how. how again, go moving forward. 12 games. It's a long season. What will the numbers look like? Maybe four to six games out. We'll, we'll reevaluate then. We can only look at what we have in the past and kind of evaluate it. And just quickly, uh, Brandon Marshall, who, you know, I, I personally, not that I was against bringing Brandon Marshall here as a talent, but kind of felt like he's, he's a little on the decline of his career. He's 31. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean he doesn't have years left in the tank, but, you know, let's face it. He's not on the upswing of his career. Not that he's not playing great because he is. He's playing like a man possessed, 30 receptions, 400 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he's as advertised. He was advertised as the number one receiver, and so far he's fit the bill. But my opinion was a 31-year-old receiver, you kind of just rebuild an offense around a 31-year-old receiver and – and I hope that he's not maybe in decline. Because last year he had a bad year with the, with, with the Chicago Bears. A little banged up injuries. I think he ended up on injury reserve by the end of the year. So was that kind of showing his age a little bit? Remember, he's been in this league quite a while. So that was my concern with kind of bringing Brandon Marshall in here. He's had some issues with teams in the past. But, you know, so far so good. Uh, I'm very happy that I was, you know, my analysis thus far has been wrong. He's been fantastic. 100%. You couldn't ask for more from him. He's been that go-to guy for Fitzpatrick. 
it's been it's been great. And you know, hopefully, again, he's he got 400 yards receiving. Does that mean he's gonna have 1600 yards receiving for the year? You can't tell that. Maybe he will. But I think finally, the Jets haven't had a thousand yard receiver since 2007, I believe it was Jericho Cotri. And again, barring any unforeseen problem with Marshall, an injury or something like that can't see why he won't get over that thousand yard mark this year and that'd be nice to see we know eric decker's been a little bit banged up hopefully this extra week off helps him 14 receptions 180 yards three touchdowns he's he's another guy that's very important in this offense because if marshall's getting double teamed or taking a lot of attention away from the secondary he's been a guy he's been able to get in the end zone i mean he's got the same number of touchdowns as marshall has so seems like in key situations he's been able to Fitzpatrick's looked at him a lot of those post plays he's been able to kind of get in there and and look for Decker so a Decker being healthy out there with Marshall is 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 very important for the Jets moving forward in this offense because who are you going to key on then um I know what Chris Wusu's been down a little bit they're trying to work Devin Smith into the offense Quincy Inunua has been playing a little bit in there but re- realistically um, as far as the wide receivers, we know it's, it's Marshall and Decker and then kind of everybody else. You know, whoever Curley's been working into the offense, no one else has really stood out as far as the receivers than Marshall first and Decker second. And I think that's going to continue throughout the year. Maybe Devin Smith can start to emerge as he gets more chemistry with Fitzpatrick. Seems like a little bit they're not on the same page. Again, this guy missed all camp. He really kind of needed it. It's unfortunate. They're working him in slowly. Hopefully he can continue to grow and develop and they get some better chemistry and we can see some more production out of Devin Smith. The other thing is this quickly before we move on, <clears throat> the tight end position is a little bit of a concern. And we, we all know that we were looking for Jason Morrow to maybe have an impact in this offense. Unfortunately, he ends up on injured reserve kind of leaves Jeff Cumberland there. Excuse me for one second. Um, Cumberland unfortunately was injured. They called up West Saxon from the practice squad. You have Kellen Davis, He's not really too much of a receiving threat. We all know he's in there for his run-blocking ability. Um, West has now been released again. I don't know if they put him on the practice squad. If you would think that that would be the course of action. I, I don't know where he's at in the waiver process right now, West. But he did clear waivers the first time. You would think he would clear waivers again, and they would put him back, stash him back on the practice squad when and if they decide to call him up again. Um, also, you're getting Sheldon Richardson back, which, of course, Certainly helps a, a good front four there. Um, now, what, however you want to call it, front three, front four, whatever they're playing, um, they have a nice rotation of guys. Williams got a little banged up in that last game. We'll have to see how he's looking as far as his injury goes. But having Richardson back certainly adds a lot of depth there. They already have some good depth. We know we knew the defensive line was the strength of a team of this team. In period, I think in any position you look at, kind of said this is this is where they have the their best players with the most depth that that and that adding Sheldon Richardson only certainly adds to that depth. The other thing with Richardson is now maybe the kind of legal process with this arrest that he had in, in his home state might be pushed off to the end of the season. So he might be able to play out the season. Then once it kind of finalizes, we'll see what the league does. I think he's looking at a suspension under the personal conduct policy, some way, shape or form. Again, um, I'm just going to speculate. I'm going to say two to four games. If he gets four, I would think that he might be able to appeal it down to two. That's generally two is generally kind of, if you've never been, I know he has a substance abuse suspension. So maybe that that's why I'm saying four because they compound that with this. 
and say four. Maybe he can appeal it down to two. We'll have to wait and see how the whole process takes takes shape. But again, it's going to also the determining factor will be what kind of what happens in court and what eventually gets dismissed and what eventually, if he does plea bargain or whatever, what eventually comes out of there before the league makes its decision on that. So we'll have. I'm assuming we're going to have Richardson for the rest of the season. Let's see if he can fly right, put this behind him, maybe go into next year. No, they're not cutting Sheldon Richardson, okay, unless he screws up again. Right now, it wouldn't make any sense to cut Sheldon Richardson. I heard some people calling for that. wouldn't make any sense for a couple of reasons. This stuff kind of happens. I mean, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had two guys, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell and Martavius Bryant out. I mean, you know what? Sometimes these guys come back, and they fly right, and they never have a problem again. Sometimes – Justin Blackman or Josh Gordon, they continue to have problems. Let's hope, you know, Sheldon has said the right things. Let's just hope he does the right things now. And obviously, as far as like from a player standpoint and from a contractual standpoint, a player of his talent level and from the contract standpoint, it doesn't make sense to just let him just release him. So let's hope he flies right, is a man of his word and does the right things, goes into next year, whatever suspension he gets, he serves. And then he kind of moves on from that. And we'll see how they proceed with him moving forward. I have a feeling they're going to pick up his option for a fifth year, which would put him under contract through 2017. They could get out of that if there were some issues with him in 2016 and they feel comfortable. They could release him out of that as long as he wasn't injured before 2017 and get that that um, team option voided for that fifth year if there was something going on. So it kind of makes sense from the Jets standpoint, from a business standpoint to kind of have this guy here, pick up his option for a fifth year after this season and move forward in that direction. Like I said, you got to keep this, the personal side and the personnel side. So from the personal side, this guy's got to kind of clean up his act, not make the same mistakes he's made in the past on the personnel side, the Jets are looking at it and saying, okay, this makes sense for us financially, from a business standpoint, from the player's ability on the field standpoint. Let's just make sure that we work with him on, his, on a personal level as well to ensure that he stays on the field and doesn't have any more issues. I'm sorry. I kind of digress now. I go back to the tight end situation. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the one aspect of the Jets in the passing game, which is kind of missing here, is, is, is really the tight end. You have Cumberland with two catches for 10 yards. So – I would guess you would like to see uh, – you, you know Marshall is the workhorse. Decker would be second. But I think you'd like to see maybe a little bit more out of the tight end position just to give Fitzpatrick another option and not be so, quote-unquote, two-dimensional in the passing game. I know you're getting Powell out of the backfield. He's a little banged up. Even even you get Ivory out of the backfield every now and then, or Zach Stacy has four receptions. So they can work the running backs into the passing game. would be nice to see a tight end going down the seam and – Getting, getting open, maybe pulling those safeties inwards uh, away from those outside guys. Maybe that would get them open down the field a hair more. So hopefully we can get a little more production out of the tight ends moving forward. Let's just take a quick look to move on from that. So that's where the Jets are at right now, and it's good. We're very happy they're 3-1. and one. We know it's a long season. Uh, there are going to be some ups and downs for every team. So – Kind of the old adage is don't let your highs get too high and don't let your lows get too low. And, um, you know, right now they're, they're, they're doing great. Look, look, let's hope they, they continue this. We, we take six and two. I think most of us would sign up for six and two right now at the halfway point. But let's see how it goes. And let's take a look at what's going on in the division real quick before we focus on the Washington Redskins. Right now, unfortunately, we have that team uh, who's 
undefeated. They're four and zero, and they're sitting atop the division. They have a game against the Colts this week coming up, and we'll see how that goes with the Colts. The Jets have to face them the following week, and let's let's say this right now. Let's get it right out there. A lot of people are calling this game against the Redskins a trap game. And I don't believe it to be a trap game because I don't think that the Jets are 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 looking at at the Redskins and saying. Well, they're a bad team and they're vulnerable. And they just—I know they did lose that game against the Falcons in overtime, but they gave them quite a fight down in their own place. So I don't think they're looking at it as like this is a pushover team. What I'd be worried about is not a trap game like the, like you look at Philadelphia that came up with, off a poor performance against the Cowboys, 0-2, reeling, Jets coming in sky high, 2-0. That was a trap game because you felt like the Jets had all the momentum and the Eagles didn't have the momentum, and then, unfortunately, Philadelphia won that game. I look at this more as a, a look-ahead game, a look-ahead. This is the issue for the Jets. Are they looking ahead to, to the Patriots and not paying attention to the Redskins, who they, I think they respect as a decent team? But are they, do they have one eye on the Redskins and one eye up in Foxborough? Like they, they, like they know, oh, this is, this is the real big one. So – Let's hope that, 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 that that's not the case. Uh, I, I don't think they will be because I, my time around them, they are very focused. They're very confident. They say the right things as far as one game at a time. And I, I do believe that, that Todd Bowles kind of preaches that, tries to stick it in there and say, look, one game at a time. This is our opponent. Let's focus here and try to get that focus. They are human beings. So <laughs> like us, we look at the schedule and we say, ooh, look at this, week seven. We probably put a circle around it. So they are human beings, and they can they they can maybe let their mind wander a little bit and be looking ahead. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But they're undefeated. I want to take a look at the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins here, because the Bills are three and two right now, and you know they got a tough game against the Bengals, who are undefeated. They're at home, and I know Tyrod Taylor, their quarterback's a little banged up. There's a little question whether they'll play or not. That's going to be a, a real interesting game there. The Bengals are coming off a big win over the Seahawks, and you know that's going to be a, a real test for the Bills. And we'll see what happens in that game. Um, you know, that, that's kind of a big swing for them if they were to go 4-2. and two, And let's forget about the Jets for a minute or whatever happens with them. Um, that would they, the, the Bills are kind of going to be hanging around in this division and uh, hanging around for a playoff spot. They're, they're talented enough to at least be in the conversation. I don't think anyone would look at their roster and say they're not in the conversation of a team that has the potential to make the playoffs they are a threat to the Jets as far as if the Jets were not able to overtake the Patriots for the division, then the Jets would be looking at a wild card. This is a team in the division. They play twice. They're three and two right now. You got to keep an eye on them. Not enough time in this, this, this season so far. We're seeing some separation right now, but not enough time to realistically know who's going where just yet. Even you've seen teams start off five and zero, four and zero, six and zero, and 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 fade down the stretch. So maybe two to two to four weeks, we'll start to see some separation. We'll be able to give a better analysis. I'm just keeping an eyeball on them, saying, all right, you know what? I look at their roster, I look at their schedule, I look at all the things, and say they should be at least hanging around the playoffs. At worst, the periphery of the playoffs later in the year. We'll, we'll see how how they go. We got to keep an eye on them. Here's another team that the Dolphins. Now the Dolphins, look, the Jets went over there to London and ate the Dolphins breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let's face it, it, it was the score was not indicative of the way the game went. Jets physically dominated them, 
And take nothing away from the Jets. Victory was great. The Dolphins, I mean, Joe Philbin was fired after the game. And he was on the hot seat. They didn't, look, they didn't play inspired ball to save their coach. And now you've got uh, Dan Campbell in there. He's kind of a Parcells disciple. He's a, a he's a was a former tight end coach. He was a former New York Giants tight end, and he's kind of instilling this discipline, having them do a lot of drills kind of thing. Look, the the Miami Dolphins again on paper and games aren't played on paper are 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 more talented than maybe their record says, and and who knows what's going to happen with them. They have a game against Tennessee now coming off their bye week in Tennessee, and then they have a game against Houston. Could they conceivably win two games in a row and be three and three? Sure. They could lose them and be one and five and be out of the conversation. I just don't think right at this point in time you can look at the Dolphins and say they're completely throw dirt, the last shovel of dirt on them. If they are able to get those two wins and be three and three, you know what? They'd be, they would be revitalized. There would be life back in them. And I, I do think that because I've spoken some people who know the team real well have said to me that talent-wise – they're better than what their record is. I mean, a much different Dolphins team could walk into MetLife Stadium at the end of November than we saw a couple of weeks ago in London. Or the same team could walk in and they could have mailed it in. You know, it's kind of interesting, and before we get into the Washington Redskins, that one of the questions that I was asking about the the players after the the loss was, you know what, the Jets, they didn't mail it in. And they fought to the end. And, and I was given an answer of that's the way we're built. We're fighters. We're never going to quit. But, and I, I don't think the Jets did quit. They are fighters, and that's great, and I believe that. That's true of the Jets. But there are teams in this league that you watch, and they will mail it in. They, they will. You're like, this team doesn't want to be – they want to go in the showers. If they get down 24 – but the Jets got down 24 points, but they didn't mail it in. And I don't think they're ever going to mail it in. I don't think that that's that. No matter what happens, no matter what adversity they face, they're a confident bunch. They're 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 patient. They 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 play their keys. They don't panic. And that was another thing I heard a lot of. There's no panic in this team. No matter what happens, there's no panic. You know, Todd Bowles, unlike Rex Ryan, Rex Ryan was whether you liked him or not, was peaks and valleys. Let's face it, that's what Rex was. Rex was peaks and valleys. You had very high highs and very low lows and just seemed up, and up, kind of ups and downs. I would describe Todd Bowles as going over hills. He's going over, up and down hills. That's the way I would describe him. And it does permeate to his team. The team, okay, we won. That's great. We're happy. We're going up the hill. Oh, we lost. Okay, we're down. You know what? We're, we're down the bottom of the hill. So now we've got to focus ourselves so we can get back to the top of the hill. So that is definitely a difference between Rex and Todd Bowles, I know there's a lot of differences. I'm sure people are laughing right now. But um, one of the major differences that you see in this team is that they just get, they're very kind of even-keeled. And also, they do fight. And I think that will continue no matter what happens this year. No matter you – know, at some point in time, they're going to face some adversity. At some point in time, they're going to face some adversity, this team. And we're going to have to see how they battle through it. And if they, if they, if they had a two-game losing streak, I don't, I'm not predicting that to happen. But let's say they did at some point. I think that they could right the ship. That's one thing about this team is that they could right the ship. They're not going to be, you know, dwelling. Oh, we lost two games, or we had this kind of in hand here, and now here we sit. Or maybe some, maybe the ball bounces the wrong way in a game that they lost. They felt they should have won. I think these guys had the right mentality, the kind of tunnel vision to always kind of look ahead and put the pass behind them once they've evaluated everything that's happened in the game. All right, 
Let's take a look at the Washington Redskins here, who are the Jets' next opponent. I'll tell you, this is, um, this is no gimme game for a number of reasons. One, the NFC East is an absolute throw a dart at that. With what happened to Dallas right now, it's an absolute throw a dart and pick a team. Any team can come out of this. And, and when eight and eight might win this division. Eight and eight might win this division. So right now, the Redskins sit at two and three. They just went into Atlanta and lost an overtime game. But here's something about the Washington Redskins. Again, like I've been saying, they have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. I mean, Kirk Cousins has an 82 quarterback rating. You know that when Kirk Cousins throws two or more interceptions as a starter, the Redskins are 0-9. So it goes to show you that if you can rattle Kirk Cousins, you, you can, and you can get him to throw interceptions, you're, you're going to beat the Redskins. Now, here's again, the Redskins is just like the Jets. On offense, the, the defense isn't as good as the Jets. But they, they are talented on defense. Let's, just, let's stick to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they're 12th in, in the league in rushing, the 12th in the league. And they kind of lean on Alfred Morris, uh, the rookie, Matt Jones. He's a little banged up day-to-day with a toe. Um, so they, they, they do lean on their running game more than their passing game because they – let me see. I'm just looking up here quickly. Matt Jones is a rookie out of Florida. Yeah, the third-round pick. He's Like I said, he's banged up a little bit with a toe. They're passing. They're 18th in the league in passing. They're only 25th in scoring, only averaging about a little over 19 points per game. So um, you can, you have to stop their running game. Look, they want to be balanced like the Jets want to be. They want to be balanced. They want to be able to run that ball, eat clock, control the game, limit Kirk Cousins. For example, Kirk Cousins threw 49 passes against the New York Giants. Well, they lost. Of course they lost. Kirk Cousins isn't, isn't Philip Rivers. and I mean, Philip Rivers could throw 49 passes and win. You can name some quarterbacks that you could look at and say, this guy threw 50 passes. Do you think they won or lost? And you might say, I'm not sure. I think if you hear Kirk Cousins threw the ball 50 times, you're going to go with the loss. Oh, they probably lost. So they want to they run the ball, be balanced, be able to use the play action pass, those kind of things. Let's take a look at some of their injuries. Because they are, they were a little banged up last week um, in their secondary. They might be getting a couple guys back. Chris Culliver, the ex 49er, uh, he's dealing with a knee. Uh, D'Angelo Hall, uh, the veteran cornerback, there was dealing with a toe. So they might be getting those guys back again. Matt Jones is day to date. Bashad Breland, nice defensive back that they have. Uh, he's a little banged up. He's dealing with a rotator cuff in his shoulder. And if he wasn't able to play that, that even if they got Culver and D'Angelo Hall back, Breland's a very nice cover corner. So he he would certainly be a, a loss for them if he was out of this game. That's just some somebody to keep an eye on. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, we all know Deshaun Jackson. He's been dealing with a hamstring for almost the whole year. I don't think he's played um, up in the air whether or not he's going to play. He could could be he could come in and play. He might not. Certainly, it would be good if he didn't. He, he does have that ability, you know, the game-breaking speed kind of thing. Obviously, the Jets secondary can, can, can handle anybody. But think personally, would, would rather see him on the sidelines in street clothes than see him out there with his jersey on. And the very talented um, tight end, Jordan Reed, who's had a history of concussions, he looks like he may not play this week. He's uh, still dealing with concussion syndrome, and he's still in the concussion protocol. So um, that, that's, that's the Derek Carrier, I guess, to take his place. He's, 
Jordan Reed is very talented, but he's he's had a history of injuries, especially concussions, which is uh, un- unfortunate for him. But if he's not playing in this game, it's certainly uh, one of the weapons out of the arsenal for Kirk Cousins. Also, just quickly, Trent Williams, the left tackle, was dealing with some sort of illness after the game last week. Um, there was some talk that he might be in concussion protocol, and it was kind of revised that he was not in the concussion protocol. So um, haven't really heard anything else on him, that he just had an illness after the game, wasn't feeling well, didn't talk to reporters. Would be interesting to see if, if something comes out of that, what is on the injury report, if he's probable. My, my gut's telling me that he just wasn't feeling well and, and he, will, he will play in this game. We'll wait and see. He would be a big loss for their offensive line. They, they, are, um, they, are ha- they have the actual fifth, fifth overall pick, Brandon Scherf, playing guard. He's supposed to be a tackle, but I guess they're starting him off at guard. Williams is really their best offensive lineman, their left tackle. He's, he's a pretty solid left tackle, and if they, did, if they were without him, that would certainly bode well for the Jets' defense. Um, but this is why this game is, 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 is a game that is a, is a good test for the Jets. It will be a, a good test for them, is that the, the Redskins like to run the ball, and they, they are pretty decent at stopping a run. Now, they're 12th in the league uh, against a run, holding opponents under 100 yards. But last week, uh, Devonta Freeman, the Atlanta Falcons running back, went for a buck 53 against them. Okay? So they, they, you can have success against, against them running the ball, even though they're, they're pretty decent. If you took that number out, I, I think they were much better because I, I did some – some research on them, most kind of looked up their numbers. And a few weeks ago, they were not nearly <laughs> as 12th in, in the league. I'm trying to look it up here. I think I have it in front of me. Yeah, they were actually second in the league against the Rush. And after they gave up that big performance to Freeman, they now move all the way to 12th. So they, they've been fairly stout against the run for the most part. And and they're, they're pretty decent against the pass. They're sixth overall as far as yards go um, on defense. They're 12th in scoring allowed. Again, the minus three in turnovers total. That obviously hurts their number as far as points being allowed. But they are sixth overall in, in yards. you got to watch out for Ryan Kerrigan. He's kind of their pass rush specialist there on the defense. So this is, this is a good test for the Jets in this way. you got a team coming in here that wants to try to run the ball on them. Now the, now, the one loss the Jets had with the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles had success running the ball against them. So it, it's going to be imperative that they stop Washington's run game, make him one-dimensional. That's the way you beat him. That's the way you beat him. Make Kirk Cousins beat you. Don't let Alfred Morris beat you. Don't let Matt Jones, if he plays, beat you. Make Kirk Cousins beat you. The other thing is the Jets are going to obviously want to establish Chris Ivory. Lyle Powell, if he's playing, or Zach Stacy, whoever whoever's out there. Obviously, Ivory being the workhorse, and they're, they're they're pretty decent against the run, even with the the game last week. And their defense overall is pretty decent, pretty decent numbers. So not 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 as good as or as dynamic as the Jets, I would say. Jets are more dynamic, but pretty decent numbers there, and will be a good test for the Jets' offense. And again, they're going to try to make Ryan Fitzpatrick. Beat, beat them. They're going to try to put the ball in Ryan Fitzpatrick's hand, hands, and we'll see. We'll see. Do, do they have to put one down in the box, which might open things up on the outside? So we'll see how that goes. But this, this by no means 
is, and I think I think all Jeff fans out there listening to this agree, this is by no means a game that you can just chalk up a W. I, I, every game in the NFL is hard. Every game is hard. But this this is this is a good a good test for the Jets. And again, are they looking past this team? Let's hope not. They got a big game the next week. They got two road games after this one. This is this is this is why this game is so important for the Jets to get that W under their belt. They got to go up to Foxborough. Then they got to go out to Oakland. And yeah, Oakland isn't a great team, but they got to go there. Look, if Oakland was coming to MetLife, you know the West Coast coming East, or if it was an early game, all that stuff is great. And the last couple of years, Oakland has come out to MetLife and gotten whooped. But we all know from the history of the Jets. When they travel west, it's a, it's a different story. It's it's much more difficult. So I'm not saying the Jets can't win that game. They certainly can. But they got two big road games after this one. It certainly would be nice to be 4-1 and one looking at two road games. And if you split them, hey, you're 5-2, and two, heading into a game at home against Jacksonville. I think we'd all sign up for that right now. I know I would, 5-2. and two. But it, it, if they were to not get this game against the Redskins, if they were to lose it, they'd be – Three and two heading into Foxborough. I don't think any of us would feel super comfortable with that. We'd like to just have a little bit of wiggle room there in case things don't go as well as we're hoping in Foxborough. Look, we're hoping for a big victory there. We know it's tough. It's a tough place to play. As of right now, they're undefeated. We know it's going to be a tough game. But any game is winnable, as we've seen in the past. Every team is beatable in this league. Jets got a solid defense. You know, going to go up there against a high-powered offense. New England hasn't been great against the run this year. That kind of plays into our strengths. So we'll see next week after this week is over. We'll kind of see where the teams are at. I'm getting ahead of myself. So we'll see where the teams are at. But this is why the Jets really got to focus on this team. And it's a big game early on. Coming off a bye week, they had that extra week of rest, getting extra time to prepare, get guys healthy. And kind of to finish up and wrap up here is – the penalties. Jets had a lot of penalties in, in London. They had a lot of penalties, and they're going to have to kind of clean that up a little bit. Uh, can't have 14 penalties in a game and win too often. The Jets, if they didn't have as many penalties, maybe a, a couple of them, they could wipe off the board. Um, that game would have never even came down towards the end there where you got your heart racing a little bit. It looked like it was going to be a one-score game, never materialized. It's kind of like this. It's like if you're going to rush for, say, 125 yards, but you're going to have a, a 140 yards of penalties, well, that basically wipes out all your, all, all your gains in, in, in the running game. So you gotta, they got to try to be a little bit more disciplined and get that. And I did hear that sentiment echoed a number of times when, um, the, after the game in London, that we, we, we looked at the penalties situation. They weren't happy with that. That here's the things that we're going to key on during the bye week. All right. This is not acceptable for us. So get those penalties cleaned up. It's kind of like this, and we all know it. It's like an error in baseball, and you give the team a fourth out. Well, if you give the team an extra first down, a freebie, a freebie down the field, whatever it is. Obviously, no game is penalty free. It happens. But if you give them too many freebies, they eventually will come back and, and, and get you. So that's one statistic I would look at in this game. That's going to be pretty important to just kind of get cleaned up from uh, the game in London would be cleaning up those, those um, penalties, but look, sum up uh, where we're at here. Three and one is great. We got 12 games left long season. 
you know, when November, December rolls around, you kind of forget what happened in September, October, sometimes. I guess the bottom line is here is that what we want to see is, and what you ever want to see is meaningful games played down the stretch. And right now, the Jets are certainly in a position to do that, almost no matter what happens in the next four games. Can't see that they're not going to be in position to at least play meaningful games heading down the stretch. And that's really important to, for, to keep you interested. Unfortunately, last year, you know, you kind of maybe, eh, you know, flip around a little bit, lose interest a hair, even though you're a diehard fan. It, it, it's, the game doesn't really mean much except for maybe looking at players for next year. And that's what we, what we don't want. And we're certainly looking at it saying, okay, they're in a position now to give us that moving into November and December. I said this on, on, on a few shows ago. Doesn't really matter what you do in September and October. And and I want to clarify that. It doesn't mean that you can just go out and lose and, and hey, it's a, but if you're a contender, if you're at least a contender through September, October, look, there's gonna be a lot of teams that are four and four, five and three, three and five. There's gonna be a lot of teams in the mix there. And it's gonna be the teams in November and December that go six and two in their last eight games, that go five and three or seven and one. Those are the teams that are going to advance and be dangerous. The teams that get better as the season moves on, the team that handles the ups and downs, the injuries, maybe get some guys back healthy later in the year and they, they're able to contribute. And Dallas being the perfect example. <laughs> and just quickly before I finish up, you know, Julian says this all the time and it seems like it's, it's coming true this year. The Jets got to play the Cowboys in, in, in Dallas in December. And it looks like, I mean, again, who knows? Maybe they'll be at full strength then, the Cowboys. New England gets Dallas in Dallas when they're not at full strength. I mean, they got Brandon Whedon playing quarterback. They have no Des Bryant. How fair is that that the Jets are potentially looking at, and this is way down the road, but going to Dallas and having to play a fairly healthy Dallas Cowboys team with Tony Romo and Des Bryant when the Patriots didn't have to play them. It just it always seems to kind of work out that way. Again, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know what? You play the teams on your schedule when you get them. Just kind of ironic how that sort of worked out there. Couldn't have been the reverse. The Jets couldn't have been playing Dallas at this point in time. and Maybe the Patriots playing Dallas down the road when they were at full strength. Uh, just kind of interesting how that worked out. But we're going to kind of wrap up here. We really appreciate all the listens, all the downloads. Like I said earlier, we're trying to do some new things, some innovative things. And we want to get people involved in the process. And you know what? Please hit us up on Twitter. Follow us. This will give us an opportunity to maybe send you a message if we, if we want to try to get you on the show, get your input. Um, if you want to email us, again, it's thegreenzoneradio at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at greenzoneradio. We have some great things lined up for you moving forward. And my co-host, my co-host, the host of the show, the star of the show, Mr. Julian Carter, he'll be back next week. We've got some great things lined up for you. So until then, this is Dennis Agapito. Enjoy the week of football. Go Jets, and we'll see you next week on another great episode of the Green Zone Radio.